You are listening to episode number 161 of the Pioneering Today podcast, and we are talking about flower choices, what it means, the different types of flowers to the item that you are baking, including what type of wheat berries are best to use when you are grinding your own flour, how to choose what wheat berry goes best with what you're making. Because, y'all, at the time of this recording, we are moving into holiday baking and we are one week into our holiday pie baking and crust challenge. If you have not joined that yet, you need to get yourself on over there and join the fun. You can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash pie. You're going to get my free guide with the six secrets on making wonderfully epic, flaky, no-fail homemade pie crust every single time. And then we are giving away our best secrets and tips for freezing pie crust, making a whole bunch up at once, and of course, having the most beautiful, and not just beautiful, but we do want to have some fun with some different decorating options for our pies, but the best tasting pies because it does not matter how pretty something is if it does not taste good. Can I get an amen? If you are a new listener to the Pioneering Today podcast, well, we are just so thrilled to have you joining the awesome community. And if you are one of my regular listeners, welcome back. So glad to have you. Here on the Pioneering Today podcast is where we share all of the tips for making it homemade, growing it yourself, and creating an old-fashioned pioneer home with modern tips and techniques so that you can have the modern homestead with or without the full-on homestead. And I wanted to share this review of the podcast from Girl 4 She says she has an hour commute twice daily, and she looks forward to spending that time learning from Melissa. Thank you so much, As a former commuter, I totally understand listening to podcasts on the commute. In fact, I can rarely drive anywhere anymore without having a podcast going. I've listened to every episode and I'm now repeating episodes and learning things I missed. I appreciate all that is shared through this podcast. Keep the episodes coming and thank you. Thank you, Trent Girl, and no worries. We will keep the episodes coming and thank you so much. You guys, I love reading your reviews. Not only does it help me keep fired up to keep recording these, but it also helps other people find the podcast. So whatever device you're listening to this on, be it iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, there's so many different apps that we can have depending upon our computer and our smartphones or however we're listening to it. I would adore it if you leave me a review. And thank you so much. Alrighty, let's dive in to today's content, talking flour and baking. I'm a firm believer that made from scratch is better, healthier, and cheaper on the pocketbook for you than any time we're buying things pre-made in the store. And I'm also here to tell you that it doesn't have to always take hours and hours and be this long, drawn-out process to have things made from scratch and homemade. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles is we feel pressed for time and people feel not only pressed for time, but if it's something new that they're making from scratch, they're worried about not just the time investment, but the ingredient investment and what if it doesn't turn out or just kind of knowing where to start, which is why I am doing our pie challenge for the month of November. Because pie crust, even for seasoned cooks and bakers, 
Pie crusts can be very finicky. And you know when you have had a pie crust fail and when you have had that light, flaky, melt in your mouth, like leave the pie filling behind, give me the crust kind of crust because that's what we're after. And it can be a little bit elusive. And it usually boils down to a few common mistakes, if you will, or reasons as to why a pie crust recipe or the pie crust will fail. So that's what I give you when you sign up for the challenge and you get that free download guide is those six secrets so that you can rest assured that your pie crust is going to turn out amazing and flaky every single time. But when it comes to making it homemade, a lot of us who are on this homemade journey and to being healthier homemade versions of foods, there can be a plethora of flour choices. So how do you know which one is best? And I want to talk about this for a minute because I had a comment on my blog that really surprised me and actually saddened me. So I want to talk about this for a minute. So pardon me while I get on my soapbox for just a second. I had shared a recipe on how to make your own homemade crackers at home in just 15 minutes. So you're just taking your base ingredients, literally making the dough, rolling them out and baking them, and they're done from start to finish, pull out of the oven and eating them in 15 minutes. Because a lot of our store-bought crackers have hydrogenated oils, high fructose corn syrup, just a lot of preservatives and different ingredients that I believe are harmful to your health and we try to avoid here in our home. So I had shared this in my weekly newsletter. So if you are on my email list, you know every Saturday morning, I send you out a newsletter with updates and helpful articles and recipes for you to try and use in your homestead. Well, somebody left me a comment, and I'm not sharing this in order to call anybody out or to shame them or anything like that, but it really bothered me, and I think it's something that we need to address. And so I had shared the recipe, and I gave notes for the recipe on you can use all-purpose flour, and if you were going to be using fresh ground flour, the amount and the type of fresh ground flour that I had used in the recipe. And for a lot of the recipes, I try to give both because I know not everybody has a grain mill yet. Not everybody is at the point where they want to be grinding their own flour and or can grind their own flour. They just don't have the equipment to do it. And that's fine because I believe that if you are making it home and you are using store-bought all-purpose flour, it is still way better for you than buying the pre-made counterpart that sits in a bag with a huge ingredient list label somewhere. Well, this person basically called me out and said I was saying that people should be healthy and I shared a recipe that used all-purpose flour in it. And I'm just assuming that they didn't read the note area where I said this is the type of fresh ground flour and how much I use with this recipe if you want to use your fresh ground flour. Is fresh ground flour healthier for you? Is it better for you? Yes, it absolutely is. And if you've not listened to any of the episodes, you're not familiar with fresh ground flour and why its benefits, let's put it that way, or about grinding your own flour, I have got some back episodes for you that you're going to want to dive into. First up is going to be episode number 120, which is the Homesteader's Guide to Milling Your Own Flour as well as episode number 42, which is grinding your own flour. And then I give you six fresh flour baking tips because baking with fresh ground flour is a whole nother ball game than if you are used to cooking recipes with regular store-bought flour. It is not the same as just you use one cup of store-bought all-purpose flour 
and then you sub in one cup of fresh ground flour, you will have not so pleasant results. It's very easy once you understand kind of the basics and the rules of using fresh ground flour in order to have foods come out yet. But if you are brand new, it's not equal for equal subs. There's some little variances that make a world of difference once you know what they are. So I talk about those two previous episodes. To always grab the show note, every podcast episode that comes out, I have a whole blog post for you because I have some people who are on my newsletter or email list that prefer to read. And then I've got others like you, obviously, you're listening to the podcast and I'm a podcast junkie who I prefer to listen. But I got you covered both ways. But for every episode within that episode at the website, there's a full blog post. And so I have links to different resources or past episodes and all of that right there for you. So just know you can always go there and grab that if you want some quick reference. The link to hit this podcast episode's blog post is melissaknorris.com forward slash 161 and the numbers numerical because this is episode number 161. But the reason I brought that up is because, like I said, I don't think it matters where you're at on your journey in your cooking and creating healthier, better food for you and your family. If you are using store-bought all-purpose flour or you got yourself a flour mill and you're grinding your flour at home, it is still better than that store-bought counterpart. So there is no judgment here on what type of flour you are choosing to use. But if you are curious about the different flour types and especially the different wheat berry types when you are making that step and going to grind your own flour, I wanna talk about those and cover them. So all-purpose flour, the reason it's all-purpose is because you can pretty much take all-purpose flour. It has been formulated so that its protein and its gluten count or content is suitable for pretty much anything that you want to bake, hence the name all-purpose, right? So you can use all-purpose flour to make cookies, to make crackers, to make tortillas, to make rolls, to make bread, muffins. I mean, pretty much anything. All-purpose flour is going to work fairly decently to do all of those items. Now, when it comes to bread flour, for bread, what we call breads that rise. So we have yeast or, and if you're doing sourdough, then that has natural yeast in it, natural fermented, but where we need it to rise up and then we're baking it in its risen state. So obviously bread, rolls, that type of thing. Generally for those, we need a strong gluten content and we also want that higher protein count because that's going to help the bread maintain its shape. And that's where we get the good crumb. So if you ever heard people talk about the crumb on the bread, it's how it's developed when you cut into it and you see those even holes, or if you've got too many of the holes, like huge air pockets, the texture of the bread when you slice into it, because on sandwich bread, we don't want it really soft and crumbly, right? We need it to be able to hold up to putting stuff on. So all of that has to do with how you've kneaded it, how much the gluten has been developed, and also with the protein count and the type of flour that you're using. So a lot of people, when they are baking bread, will choose bread flour because it has a slightly higher protein count than your all-purpose. But I have baked a lot of bread with just using regular all-purpose flour, and it's going to turn out too. And then you've got your cake flour. Cake flour is a more delicate flour, and it has a lower protein content. 
And it's usually milled to be a little bit finer than your regular all-purpose flour. And sometimes bread flour will be even milled to be a little bit larger pieces and not as fine as even all-purpose. So this is reference I'm talking. You're going to go to the store and buy the flour in these different bags or order it online, but it comes to you already milled, not milling it at home. That's kind of your difference between your bread flour, all-purpose flour, and your cake flour. And quick bonus tip for you, if you want to make cake flour at home, I share this in my book, Handmade, but because you're an awesome podcast listener, I won't give it to you here too. If you are baking a cake for each cup of flour that it calls for, take your cup. So you got your one cup measuring cup, right? Put two tablespoons of cornstarch in there, then fill it up with your all-purpose flour and you have a homemade version of cake flour right there. Easy peasy. Alrighty, so now let's talk about picking what type of wheat berry to use when you are grinding your own flour. And this is where actually when you are grinding your own flour, there is such a wide range and a plethora of grains to choose from. Much, much more than I ever found in the store. And of course, even between bread flour and all-purpose flour and cake flour. But I'm going to give you the ones that I always turn back to time and time again first, and then we'll mention a few others. So when we were looking at the wheat berry, we are still looking at protein and gluten content, just like we were when we were talking about bread flour, all-purpose flour, and cake flour. And if we're talking about protein percentages, cake flour is a range of anywhere between 5 to 8% protein. All-purpose flour is usually anywhere from 10 to 12% protein. Whole wheat flour is usually around 13%. And pastry flour is about 8 to 9%. And bread flour is anywhere from between about 12 to 13%. So you can see that bread flour, we're looking for that higher protein content. And then it goes down. So this is where you are going to see the term when you are looking at wheat berries between hard and soft. And all wheat berries when dried are hard. That's how we're able to mill them into a fine, into a flour, right? Into powder. They have to be hard. So it doesn't mean if you hold them in your hand that one is a lot softer than the other, but it really has to do with the protein content. So hard wheat, and generally speaking, you will have hard red wheat and hard white wheat. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But what that means is it has that higher protein content and it has a stronger gluten, which is good because in risen breads, breads that rise, we really need to have good gluten. That's what's going to give it its elasticity, that really good texture, and that's what we're after when we're making those breads. So if you are doing breads, you want to go after the hard variety of your wheats. Now, red wheat and white wheat, white wheat is actually from red wheat, but it's been bred to not have the red color in it, which means it doesn't have as much natural tannin. And a lot of people prefer the hard white wheat to the red because they don't think that it tastes as bitter. And if you are going from using all-purpose white flour and you're going to fresh ground flour, a lot of people find it a lot easier to transition taste-wise and texture-wise and even visually to the eye using the hard white wheat instead of the red. 
Now, I tend to be the health nut in our family. I tend to be what's the driving force behind us making healthier choices. And when we flipped all of our food around and I started doing so much more from scratch, and because I had seen the drastic changes that it made in my health and the way that I was able to heal my body and to heal my gut and to get off prescription medications by making changes to whole foods and really understanding the nutrition in our foods and how it affects our body and all of that, I was on board to grind our own flour at home because I knew what a difference it was going to make. My family goes along with me, bless their hearts, mainly because I do the majority of the cooking. My husband actually does like to help out in the kitchen and has specific things that he likes to make. But I would say if we're looking at it, I still do the majority of the cooking. Therefore, that means I get to make most of the choices on the ingredients, right? (laughs) At least that's how we look at it. But My family, when I first started grinding our own flour and making these changes and going over, I didn't know about all the differences between or even all the options out there on our wheat berries. And so if you go to like the whole food section of like, say, a Fred Meyers, and we have one here, and I know that they carry wheat berries, red wheat was kind of my only option. They didn't carry a lot of the other wheat berries. And so I started with the red wheat. And it does give that heartier, darker, a lot more pronounced flavor to your bread. But if you're used to all-purpose store-bought flour and then you switch to fresh ground red wheat, it's a big difference. And my family wasn't as on board with it. I found that switching and using hard white wheat, because it looked similar, it looks similar in color to using all-purpose or if you're used to using all-purpose flour to make a white flour or even bread flour, though, that's still white, It visually looked the same. The taste, I really like wheat berries for the flour. I feel like it gives the bread a lot more flavor depth than just using regular flour from the store, which is a plus. But because it was slightly milder, it doesn't have those tannins in it like the red wheat, my family was much more on board. And I felt texture-wise, I actually prefer the hard white wheat. So if you're just going from using store-bought flour or you don't like a really strong flavor to the bread, I would recommend that you use the hard white wheat and try that first. And between the red wheat and the white, the red does have a slightly higher amount of protein. So a lot of times you'll see like the really rustic and artisan breads where it's got that really crunchy outer crust. People like to use the red wheat. I still do those artisan breads and I use the hard white wheat. It's just a personal preference. So anytime I am doing bread items, obviously, if we're doing sandwich bread, if I'm doing kind of an artisan round loaf, French bread, any of those breads, that's where I use my hard white wheat. Now, when it comes to my pastry making and baking, you've got a few different options. First up is to use the soft version. So that has less protein and a little bit less gluten as well. Oftentimes you'll see soft wheat berries, and I still like the soft white wheat berries. That's what you will see people using for pastry. So if you're grinding your own flour, that's what you're gonna see people using if you're doing cake. It works great for cakes, for muffins, pie crusts, cookies, all of those. But you're not limited to just picking the soft wheat version because of the protein and the gluten. 
I like my ancient grains. And you can go back and listen to some of those past episodes where we talk about ancient grains, specifically einkorn, as well as spelt. Now, Einkorn is the ancient of ancient grains. As far as we know with our science and looking at the chromosomes and the way that wheat has naturally hybridized or changed throughout the centuries and going back to when all of our food was first formed, einkorn is the most ancient variety that we are aware of. And it shows that in its chromosomes. So if you want to learn more about ancient grains, it's really fascinating. I find it so fascinating. You can go back to some of our past episodes where we really dive into it and check out the Ancient Grain Einkorn Health and Baking Guide, episode number 111. And then after einkorn, then you have got spelt. So spelt is still considered an ancient grain, even though it has more chromosomes than einkorn does. It does not have as many as our regular modern wheat products. Spelt has less protein. It still has a decent amount of protein, but it has less protein than your regular red and white wheats, and especially the hard ones. It's got less protein than that, and it does have gluten. So people a lot of times think that spelt doesn't have gluten in it because it's an ancient grain and the chromosome structure is different. So with einkorn, einkorn has gluten too, but it's actually a completely different strain of gluten than the gluten that is in our regular modern wheat. So that's why a lot of people can tolerate einkorn if they have grain sensitivities. Now, if you're a celiac patient, that is different. But if you just have grain sensitivities, a lot of people can tolerate the ancient grains because it's a different type of gluten than they can in regular modern wheat products. But it's a more fragile gluten. So when you're using spelt, because it has that slightly lower protein count and it has a more fragile form of gluten, It works really well as a pastry flour. So I use spelt for all of my baked goods that are my pastry items. So I'll use it for cookies, muffins, I'll use it in cakes, pie crusts, all of those. But spelt tends to be one of those flours. And when you get into grinding your own flours, you will see that your different flours have different attributes or different things about them. With spelt, spelt likes to spread out instead of up. So spelt does really well if it's a cake in a cake pan, if it's in a muffin pan, those type of things, because it's in a pan and it doesn't have a choice but to go up. But if you are doing spelt and you're making cookies, so freeform things, right? Cookies, biscuits, that type of thing. And especially if you use spelt and bread. So sometimes I will do part ancient grain. So I will do part spelt and then I'll do part hard white wheat. And I have done 100% spelt before, but your loaves won't get as tall. So I have to cut my rise time back a little bit compared to how high I would normally let them rise. Otherwise, it wants to spread out. So that or I will adjust the oven temps so that it's a little bit higher when that loaf is going in. So it gets that spring from that high heat. And then after like the first 15 minutes, I'll turn the oven temperature down to let the loaf keep baking. So there's some definite things that you will learn about using that fresh flour and even the different types of flours and how it reacts with your baked goods. But I like spelt. I think it naturally kind of has a sweet, nutty flavor to it that really lends itself well to baked goods. And when I use fresh ground spelt flour in 
are cakes and muffins and cupcakes and those type of things, nobody can tell the difference. Like they don't even realize that I haven't used all-purpose flour. You can get a beautiful, nice, light texture, small crumb, like really, it works really well in cakes and muffins and those types of things. Now for things like our pie crust, I will use fresh ground flour and I will use spelt, but I usually will make sure that I sift the flour, even though I set the mill to a fine grind or to a pastry grind, so that's the finer it's grinding it into its flour. For things like pie crust, I will still sift it to get out any of those larger chunks so that it still stays really fine and it performs really well as a pie crust and you will still get really nice flaky pie crusts. Sometimes I'll even do a mixture where I'll play and I'll use some spelt and some soft white wheat. Like I said, I do that with bread. I'll use some hard white wheat and I'll use some ancient grains. And I just tend to play with it until I come up for each recipe with what I feel is kind of the perfect balance and or whichever wheat berries I happen to have on hand, because sometimes I will run out of one. And I will tell you for einkorn and for spelt and some of those different and even the hard white wheat berries, they are not usually stocked locally for me. Even our local food co-op does not always have those wheat berries in stock. And our local food co-op is actually the only place that I can get anything other than usually red wheat berries So even like the natural health food sections of, like I said, I've I've been to our Fred Meyers and that it's usually only the red wheat. So to get these other ones, I can go to our local co-op and ask them to specially order them in for me. And I'm committing to getting like a 25 pound bag and they'll do that and they'll usually give me a discount or I have to order them online. So just know that if you go out searching for these, you may not be able to find them at your local stores. And those are my top grains that I use. I do also like to do for my cookie recipe, I will do part all-purpose flour. And I've tried doing all spelt. And if you do all spelt for your cookies, now I like, so let's be real for a minute. When we're talking about chocolate chip cookies, and there's two camps, y'all. There's those of you that like the flat, chewy cookie, and you just love those. And then there's my camp. Now, I'm not saying which is better. I'm just saying there's two camps. There's my camp. I like a fluffier. I don't want it full on cakey, but I like a fluffier cookie that is not flat and chewy. I like a soft cookie, but not too cakey. So if you like the flat, chewy cookie, you're going to love using spelt in your cookie recipes because them bad boys flatten out and they are chewy and they are super good. Now, I'm not saying I don't eat those flat, chewy cookies. I'm just saying my preference is the more softer ones (laughs) that have a little bit of height to them. I use half einkorn and half all-purpose flour when we are making our chocolate chip cookies. And that is like our favorite. I don't have to adjust any of the fats or anything of the recipe when I'm using the half einkorn and half all-purpose. Now, when you go to all fresh ground flour, and if you are looking at getting a grain mill, and if you are looking to start grinding your own flour, I highly recommend that you go check out the episode number 120, my homestead milling guide to fresh ground flour, because I go over my favorite mills. But if you decide to purchase the mock mill, which is the mill that I have now, I've used several different mills and had several different mills. And the mock mill is my favorite. Now, in full disclosure, they sent me the mill because I didn't think I needed another grain mill. I thought I was very happy with the grain mill that I had. And they contacted me and said, we'd love to get your review 
on the mill. We'd love to send it to you and have you try it. I'm like, no, I'm really happy with the mill that I've got. I really don't need another mill. I'm trying not to bring a whole bunch of stuff onto the homestead, right? But they're like, no, we think you're really going to love this mill. And here's why. So they laid out for me that it was a stone mill and just all these different things. And I'm like, okay, fine, I will try it. And I really didn't expect to see that much of a difference or that I would like it any better than the mill that I had previously, which was a wonder mill. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a go. Let's test these out. So they sent it to me free of charge in exchange for my review, just so that you know all of that, totally upfront with you. And I got it and I was totally impressed, you guys, like really. And it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I got it for free, I promise. But it was a stone mill and I could adjust the grind like to the nitty gritty. I mean, like I had full control and I could adjust the grind from coarse to really, really fine way more than I have ever had with the other mills. And I've used several other different mills before than I could do with them. So my control on the grind was just amazing. It was a lot quieter. It was faster, which is a plus. And it didn't shoot flour all over my countertop, which is another big deal because I don't want to grind all my flour and then have to clean everything off because I've got this flour dust going everywhere. So I share all of that with you. Sorry, I went off on my little tangent there of why I like that mill so much. But because if you are looking to get a grain mill, then I highly recommend that you go and check that out because I have a special that if you purchase the mill through my affiliate link, and I've got all the details in that post, which is why I'm telling you to go to episode number 120, you get a special series from me that walks you through my fresh flower baking guide and all of the tips and tricks on adjusting the liquid when you're trying to take your current favorite recipes and adjust them from store-bought flour to fresh ground flour because each one has different nuances from einkorn to spelt and then to the other flowers on adjusting the liquid ratio in order to get those recipes to turn out and kneading instructions because you actually have to knead, I have found, fresh ground flour differently than store-bought flour. The gluten structure, in some of the flowers, the gluten structure is actually different, but even with those hard white wheat berries that have the stronger gluten and the higher protein count, I have to knead my fresh ground flour a little bit differently than regular store-bought flour in order to get the loaves to turn out where there's still that light, fluffy, we don't want dense texture. Whole wheat does not have to mean dense, y'all. I promise, it doesn't. So anyhow, if you're looking at doing fresh ground flour and to getting a mill, I highly recommend that you check that out because they share all of that with you. And we have some pretty cool coupons and free shipping codes as well. Or if you already like, yes, I know I'm getting me a flour mill and I want to get all those goodies, including the free shipping and everything you're talking about, you can just go to, and this is my affiliate link, melissaknorris.com forward slash mock mill, M-O-C-K-M-I-L-L, all one word. And that'll take you straight to that and give you the details as well. So there you have it, guys. So we talked about what are those different flowers, what makes them different in choosing our bread flour all-purpose flour and cake flour, how to make your own cake flour at home, and then the differences between those different wheat berries and how you pick which one based upon what the item is that you're going to be baking with it. And there's even more. I mean, you get into home milling, you've got buckwheat, which is awesome for doing pancakes. I mean, the doors are just open wide. There's so many things that you can mill and make your own flours, including your gluten-free flours too 
which we talk more about that in that Homesteader's Guide to Milling Your Own Flour if you want to go into more depth and find out more about the different milling options and the different grains that you can mill into flowers later. So for our verse of the week, we are in Matthew and Matthew chapter seven, verse one and two. And this is the amplified translation of the Bible. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized and condemned yourselves. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned. And in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others, it will be dealt out again to you. Now, I know I opened the show with talking about someone who was being very critical of flower choices, and I don't mean this to them. I actually mean this to myself because I have so many times, I hope you still love me and want to listen to this (laughs) podcast and stay with me after I confess here. But there have been a lot of times when I have been at different places or different things and looked at the food that people are buying, even in it's a grocery store, y'all, and you see someone pushing a cart and you look at the stuff in the cart and you're like, oh my goodness, if they would just switch out those items, like they would feel so much better and they would be so much healthier. And even though I think that can come from oftentimes a place of wanting the best for others and wanting the best in their health. I can still be, I shouldn't speak for you, but I know I can still do that in more of a judgmental manner than I should be or that I really want to be. And I don't even realize it sometimes. And so I think that a lot of times when we have noticed such a vast difference in our lives by changing things out and making healthier choices, and we've seen the difference that it makes. Like, you guys, we want to shout it from the rooftops, or at least I do. I'm like, I am still so amazed at the difference in my health and my body since, oh, it's been a decade now since making those changes and being able to get off all of those prescription medications and not having stomach ulcers and not having my esophagus being eroded and not being kept up at night from horrible, uncontrollable heartburn. To a lot of people, you're like, I got way bigger issues than that, girlfriend. I totally understand it. But for me, that was life changing. And it all came down to food and making better decisions and not even just better decisions. Some of the stuff I didn't even know was a bad choice. I mean, the food industry has done a really good job of keeping things hidden or making us not even aware of some of those ingredients in food and that they are harmful to us and why they're harmful to us. So I feel like I've gotten a huge education on things that I didn't even know I needed to be educated about and then making those changes. That's why I do this podcast, you guys. That's why I've written my books. That's why I put up articles and stuff on the website and I talk about this and I do Facebook Lives because it is life-changing. My life has been changed and I know many of your lives have been changed too. I get so many messages and emails from you guys that have had health scares like I did. Some of you have actually had more than just a health scare. You've actually, I didn't have cancer. My biopsies came back benign. I didn't have cancer, but some of you, that's not been what your test results came back as. And you've made these changes and went down the path and you've seen drastic, in a good way, changes to your health. And so I get really passionate about it, but not everybody is ready to hear about it. And I have to remember that and I need to respect that and not condemn them because maybe they're not making the best choices or they're not making the choices to where I am on this path. 
because then that doesn't do anybody any good. Because if you feel condemned for where you're at, I mean, we can offer encouragement and we can offer and say, oh, this is why I am using this or this is why I'm doing this different. But if we come down on people and we look at them in a form of judgment or even say things like, well, that is not healthy. I can't believe you are doing that and you should only be doing it this way. Nobody's open to that. I'm not open to that, right? And I know that for the most of us, I really do believe that it comes from a place of goodness and because we want better for them and we've noticed a difference in ours. So I'm really preaching to myself right now. I'm sorry for so much preaching. But that's something that I struggle with and I've really had to learn that when people are ready to make the change, or ready to do healthier things, that they'll come to you and they will ask you or they'll just ask questions and you can see that openness in them. And I'm not saying to not share about the changes that you're doing and the improvements in your life or to share healthier options. I don't mean that. I'm not saying we have to be in silence because we're afraid of necessarily offending someone. I'm just saying I have to remember to check myself before I do that and at what point I'm coming from and knowing when to just say and to share and then to back off and to let it go until they're ready to make their own changes or to make their own decisions or they come to me and ask me for more information or for more help in making that change. So thank you for hanging out with me in this podcast episode. I so enjoy our times chatting together. And I hope that you have went over to melissaknorris.com forward slash pie, P-I-E, pie we're gonna be eating. And get signed up and join us on our pie baking challenge. We're going to have prizes and we've got step-by-step different video tutorials on showing you how to get that amazing flaky crust if it eludes you and then different freezing options so that we always have homemade flaky pie crust just a few minutes away. Okay, guys, I'll be back with you next week. Have an amazing week.